Welcome to Ecosystems for Change, where we co-author the playbook on transforming communities by amplifying the impact of changemakers around us. Whether you are an entrepreneur or otherwise changemaker yourself, a citizen who loves their community with a passion and wants to see it thrive, whether you are a mentor, investor, support organization, advisor, philanthropic funder, economic developer, or policymaker, Learn the practical tools and proven tactics of ecosystem builders from all around the world to better support the dreamers, doers, tinkerers, and makers in your community by taking a systems approach to social change. I'm your host, Annika Horn. Does this sound familiar? We're launching a support program for entrepreneurs, but how do we make them aware of it? Hey, I'm hosting this workshop or conference or event for entrepreneurs. Can you help me get the word out? Or one of my favorites, there just are no entrepreneurs in our community. If you've heard one or several of these statements in your ecosystem, today's episode is for you. We will be talking about entrepreneurial outreach. Welcome to our second summer skills session. I hope you're kicking it by the pool with a popsicle in one hand and your headphones on, eager to add another skill to your toolbox as an entrepreneurial ecosystem builder. I love this topic. It's key to what we do. The ideal black belt ecosystem builder probably doesn't have to worry much about entrepreneurial outreach because they already hang out with entrepreneurs on a daily basis anyway, listening to their woes, making connections and helping changemakers and their communities solve problems. My friend Enoch Elwell, the founder of CoStarters, used to grab coffee with his local entrepreneurs several times a week not just to keep a finger on the pulse of what was happening in his community, but he had genuinely made friends with most of the entrepreneurs who went through his program. And so it was a natural connection for him to make and a really good way to spend his time. But, you know, if we were already all black belt ecosystem builders, then we probably wouldn't need this show. So let's dial it back and tune in to entrepreneurial outreach. Here's what I have for you today. Number one, we will be laying the foundation for effective entrepreneurial outreach. I'll be sharing some ideas for short-term outreach, and we'll be talking about what this can look like in the long run. And lastly, I'll share a few examples from the real world with you to show you what entrepreneurial outreach can look like in reality. A short note before we start. Finding existing entrepreneurs is one thing. If they are already flooding your incubators, accelerators, attending your startup events, that's kind of the first layer, a bit of an easy lift. What is much harder is to find the tinkerers, the dreamers, the doers and visionaries who don't even identify as an entrepreneur. People who have a side hustle but would never ever call themselves entrepreneurs. It's much harder to find the ones who tinker away in the garage or the basement of their parents. It takes a lot more finesse and much more time in the field to find those and really do outreach that makes them feel like they're being seen and talked to. In short, I hope this episode will help you on both accounts. So let's dive right in. Before we talk about how you might get in front of entrepreneurs, let's make one thing very clear. If you want to reach entrepreneurs and changemakers in your community, you need to shut up and listen. That's right. Sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? Because I bet that you want to be out there talking, talking, talking about everything you do and how you can help. And I love it. But the truth is, if you don't know who you're talking to, if you don't know what their life is like, you first need to shut up and listen. 
We always tell entrepreneurs that they need to know who their ideal target customer is. So ask yourself, who's your ideal client? Which entrepreneurs are you trying to reach? How diverse is this group? Who in this group do you already have relationships with? And where do you have to work a little bit harder to build those relationships? I really encourage you to find out what their struggles are. Find out what their day-to-day is like. Find out what they value, what cultural norms define how they operate and how they go through the world. What do they really need when it comes to building up a business? And here's a side note. Listen deeply. Yes, you want to understand and solve their entrepreneurial struggles. But especially if you are trying to reach out to a group that has a very different lived experience from yourself, you also have to understand what their struggles are in everyday life. How do they find their way in their community and how do they even access support? Something that I've learned the hard way as an entrepreneurial ecosystem builder and that I'm a long way from mastering is how to connect with entrepreneurs who come from totally different parts of the community than me. Entrepreneurs who don't look like me, who don't talk to me, who may be immigrants, but not in this white privileged sense of immigrant. How do we connect with communities who've had a very different experience in life? And how can we understand what it's really like for them not just to build their business, but trying to understand their culture, their background, and how they view the support that we can offer? Another note on shut up and listen. If you're sitting in your office with an open door policy and expect people from all walks of life to walk in and talk about their businesses, you are probably not going to be that successful in reaching entrepreneurs who need you most. Meet them where they're at. I really encourage you to go out into the community. If you have to walk from storefront to storefront, visit entrepreneurs at their locations and really make an effort to meet them where they are. For example, if you're trying to approach student entrepreneurs and hear what's up with them, you're much more likely to meet them on campus or in the university library than you are in your office. If you're trying to reach, I don't know, maybe mom entrepreneurs, it's very unlikely that they're going to strut into your office with a baby on one hip and a diaper bag on the other. You need to figure out where they hang out, where they spend their time and meet them there. As far as mompreneurs go, maybe you're more likely to meet them at toddler groups at the OBGYN or at the pediatrician office. Maybe even go to the playground, but don't be creepy about it. If, for example, you're trying to figure out what it's like to be Hispanic and an entrepreneur in your community, show up at their celebrations, show up at festivals, become part of their community to really understand what their lived experience is like. Madeleine Martinier elaborated on this in season two. She said one of the biggest mistakes we make by trying to understand our target group is that we walk in looking to validate what we already believe. Don't do that. Leave your preconceived notions at the door. This can be really hard. Trust me, I've been there and I'm really struggling with it. I have this deeply ingrained belief that I know what's best for other people. And I'm working really hard to get rid of that. But the truth is, we have to leave behind what we think we already know and really be open to listening. It's an incredibly hard experience because it forces you to be vulnerable. It forces us to throw up our hands and admit, yeah, maybe I've been doing this wrong for years. Maybe I don't know at all what this means. And for servant leaders and martyrs like ourselves, this can be a really, really uncomfortable experience. Be open to the idea that your beliefs will be challenged, that you may have operated under very wrong assumptions for years. It's a bitter pill to swallow, I'll admit, but pull your pants a little tighter, go in and be open to listening. Do not promise that you will fix every issue that people tell you about. Number one, 
don't promise anything that you can't uphold. And number two, you already know this, but addressing some of these systemic challenges will take years to accomplish. So be very mindful in how you listen actively and how you might figure out the first step that you and that entrepreneur or accomplice or partner can take in a new direction to start solving some of those issues. I recommend you offer to help find solutions and figure out how you can work on this together. Lastly, this should go without saying, but I know how hard this can be in the heat of the moment. Be very diligent about following up and make sure that you deliver on that first tiny step that you agree on. With these foundations laid, let's talk about some of these short-term tactics for outreach. Let's assume you're hosting an entrepreneurial event and you want all entrepreneurs of all walks of life in your community to come to this event. One thing I've learned recently, and this is really hard, saying it's for all entrepreneurs is not enough. If you're trying to be truly inclusive, I need you to be very intentional about the language you use. If it is for all entrepreneurs, you will most likely have the common candidates show up. If you truly want to increase the diversity and invite entrepreneurs of different backgrounds, call it out. Say things like, for example, we are inviting African-American entrepreneurs. We invite community members of the Hispanic community to attend our event. We invite all of you who feel like they've been tinkering on this business in their basement for too long to join our event. Make it explicit who is welcome. Especially for those of us who are in the white majority we intend to include everyone, but we have to make these invitations very specific and intentional. All right, let's talk about some short-term tactics for outreach. What you're really trying to do is letting people know about upcoming events, programs, or opportunities. Sometimes there can also be a call for help and support. This is what I would call ad hoc outreach tactics. Some very common ways to do this is, for example, sending out a press release to news outlets, be it in print, digital, radio, or TV. Of course, you could reach out to partner organizations if you have those, and you could submit your event to a local event calendar. You can always use social media, but a word of caution. Ask yourself if this is really where your target group hangs out. If you have a very strong social media presence with a lot of diverse engagement, then I wholeheartedly support you in using social media. But again, if you're trying to reach groups who you're not yet connected with, who might not even be aware of your organization or the support you're giving, social media might not be the way to go. So really ask yourself where they will find you and where they're most likely to interact with the information that you're putting out there. One of the most effective short-term tactics, of course, is word of mouth. If other people vouch for your event, for your program, or for whatever it is you're offering, that is a testament to the quality that you're providing. And with that built-in trust, you're much more likely to bring new people to the table. This may feel a little old school, but I've recently noticed that this definitely works in more rural communities. Put up flyers and posters, be it at unemployment offices, at libraries, on community boards and community centers, maybe even at churches or on university and college campuses. Maybe even at your grocery store. You never know who's going to see it. But flyers and posters, as simple as they can be, can be incredibly effective in drawing the right audience. Lastly, if you go to other networking events, if there's a way to do sort of a public service announcement and share what you have going on, definitely go grab the mic and let people know what you have coming up. I have to admit, guys, even as I'm reading this list of short-term outreach tactics, I get a little annoyed. Have you ever heard the term make a friend before you need a friend? 
We all know those people who only reach out when they need something from us. And that kind of feels yucky, doesn't it? I'll do it once, maybe I'll do it twice because I give people the benefit of the doubt. But the truth is, if you're only interested in me when you want something from me, and I don't hear from you the rest of the year, I'm probably not going to be the best ambassador of your message. So I do encourage you, if you're in a pinch and you need these short-term tactics, go for it. But as a true ecosystem builder who's in it for the long run, I encourage you to take a long-term approach to entrepreneurial outreach. That also means taking a long-term approach to shut up and listen and build on that as you move forward. As opposed to these short-term tactics, long-term outreach really builds on the idea that we need to build trust and legitimacy in our communities. You want to build relationships and you want to be consistent. Again, don't just reach out when you need something. Become a trusted source, a partner, someone who's part of the changemaker's journey, a trusted advisor, someone who shows up consistently whether things are going well, they're not going well, or there's not much to report on. Just someone who checks in and stands side by side or shoulder to shoulder as entrepreneurs and changemakers are trying to build their thing. If you really and truly care about the changemakers in your community, this is probably easy and already intrinsic. You're probably already doing it. The key for these long-term outreach strategies is that you are consistent. Be consistent in telling really good stories. We'll talk about this in the next summer skill session. Be consistent in meeting up with those who drive change in your community. Be consistent in following up with those. Be consistent in sketching out some steps on how they might move forward and overcome a certain obstacle, not just by themselves, but really in collaboration with you and your help. Consistently host events and info sessions. Consistently adapt what you're offering to the needs of the people that you're hoping to serve. The key here is, you guessed it, consistency. We've talked about this a lot, and most ecosystem builders know this, but this is the work of a lifetime. That means we're in it for the long run, and we want to keep showing up consistently. At the 2018 eShip Summit, Fabian Fortmiller, the co-founder of Holsti, gave a talk, and the one quote that always stuck with me was, your community needs a heartbeat. So whatever it is you do as an ecosystem builder, and especially when it comes to outreach and relationship building, please, please, please be consistent. Be it writing a newsletter like Lick to Rosie through Silicon Florist in Portland, Oregon, or our good friend Jeff Bennett, who writes blog posts regularly from his home in Sacramento, California. If you're hosting events or showing up, if you're hosting a podcast like this one, be consistent so that people have a chance to get to know you and they can start to trust that you're going to continue to show up. In season one, I talked to Charlton Cunningham about the importance of showing up for your community consistently and building up that trust in order to build relationships that can last and that invite you into the groups that you weren't formerly part of. If you want to hear more about this, go back to Charlton's conversations. I'm going to put a link to this conversation in the show notes. Here's another little piece of advice. This sounds very simple and basic, but I'm stunned by how often, especially entrepreneurial support organizations, get this wrong. If you want people to connect with you, make it super, super easy to do so. If you have a website, don't hide your contact form and make sure it works. Don't hide your email addresses three layers down into your website. Make it super prominent. 
Encourage people on each part of your website or even your flyers, your handouts, your posters to get in touch. If you have office hours, make sure they're highly visible and everybody knows when to meet you and where. This could be in your email signature. This could be on your business card. It could be on your LinkedIn profile. It could be on your website. Make it very obvious because people may overlook it. They may be shy. But the more you have this call to action of getting in touch, the more likely they are to do it. Another insight I recently learned from a webinar by our friends at CoStarters is to lower your barriers to access. If, for example, you want people to fill out a contact form on your website, please don't ask them 37 questions before they hit send. This can be really off-putting. Make it super easy to have this first point of contact. Whatever else you need to know from them, do it afterwards. And the last piece of advice I have for you here is you don't necessarily need to build new tables. Don't start the 21st Slack channel in your community for entrepreneurs or changemakers. It doesn't all have to be yours. How about you find out what tables already exist and seek an invitation to join those? You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Go where these conversations already are taking place and see if you're invited. You know how to find out what's already taking place? You guessed it. Shut up and listen. All right, I do want to share a few examples of what this can look like in practice. Here at the Shenandoah Community Capital Fund, where I work, we have an awesome colleague. His name is Nick Koger, and he's our outreach manager. In brief, Nick gets to travel the Shenandoah Valley and talk to entrepreneurs in every corner of the valley to simply find out what they're working on, what they're struggling with, and what support looks like. He then connects them to the right resources and makes sure they get access to the insights, the resources, the opportunities, and the talent they need in order to start, manage, and grow their businesses. If you listen to my most recent logbook, you already know that we spent the month of August on listening tours through the Shenandoah Valley. We traveled to different regions in the Shenandoah Valley in order to meet with entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial supporters where they're at. We walked into storefronts, we listened to the needs of entrepreneurs over the counter of their bakery, at their gift shop, at their gallery, or at their movie theater. I'll admit, it was probably a little intimidating at times because, man, do we roll deep. We sometimes showed up with six or seven people to one entrepreneur and said, hey, what's it like to be an entrepreneur in the Shenandoah Valley? And then we took notes, and we listened, and we asked follow-up questions. Mind you, we didn't promise to fix everything all at once but we always left with at least one follow-up item to start pushing that boulder up the hill. I can't take any credit for this idea because our executive director, Debbie Irwin, who you met in season one, came up with this idea. I think every ecosystem builder should do listening tours. If you have the capacity in your team, this is a wonderful use of your time to make sure that what you are offering, what you are doing as an ecosystem builder is actually in line with what entrepreneurs in your community need at any given point in time. And mind you, what they need may change from one summer to the next. So continually find ways to listen to your entrepreneurs. If you don't have capacity to go on a full-blown listening tour, I know that other ecosystem builders simply walk from door to door on their main street to talk to entrepreneurs. I think that's a really effective way to hear and listen to entrepreneurs. Just keep in mind that you are less likely to talk to the ones who aren't entrepreneurs yet. You are less likely to talk to the ones who can't afford a brick and mortar shop on Main Street. 
or who simply are service-based and therefore don't even have a storefront. But if you don't know where to start, just start there. Go door to door and see if you can snag 20 minutes of their time without getting in the way of them running their business. If you're really curious about who the entrepreneurs and especially the entrepreneurs of the next generation are, think creatively and ask your existing entrepreneurs where else you might find that talent early on. All right, here's a quick recap of what we talked about today. Number one, shut up and listen. As part of that, meet entrepreneurs where they're at. If you don't know where that is, that means you need to shut up and listen some more. Use short-term outreach tactics if you're in a pinch, but in the long run, build up to those long-term outreach strategies by finding ways to build trust and relationships with the changemakers you're trying to serve. This type of customer discovery never stops. If you're putting any of these tips into practice, let me know how it goes and what you're learning along the way. Each community is different, and I'm so curious to hear what's working for you. That's it for our second Summer Skills session. If you want more tips and advice or you want to catch up on previous episodes, head over to socialventurers.com. Browse a podcast and blog, and while you're there, sign up for Impact Curator, my fortnightly update from the field and the show, delivered straight to your inbox with a heartfelt thank you for everything that you already do to make a difference. I'll catch you in our third Summer Skills session on storytelling next week. Until then, thanks for all your hard work. Annika. I pay my respect to the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, the Monakan, Shamandase Tula, and Manahok people. I recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and community. I pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This episode was produced by Yellow House Media.